0: And anything that you're going to invest time and effort into. Okay. You hope that you basically hate whatever you did in the recent past. Because <laughs> uh, then it generally means you're going in the right direction.
1: This is the Forest Walk podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Helion, And in this podcast, I take various professionals on a walk through the forest while we discuss the essence of craftsmanship. In this episode, Rowan Nichols is my guest, Canadian programmer who lives in the Netherlands and has a background that I did not know yet, so it's very interesting. We find out that it's good to balance your thinking with making stuff, that it is good to allow yourself to suck at things And that overcoming your fear is an important element in your professional growth. So enjoy this episode. Um, I'm walking in the forest here with uh, my friend Rowan Nichols, who is a programmer and a passionate uh, world improver. We're walking here in the rain because uh, sometimes... It rains. We're walking here next to uh, Paleisjusdijk, the palace of the former Queen of the Netherlands, uh, Juliana. We have the dog, Milou, with us, our Leonberger. And i uh, very curious what uh, this conversation will lead to. So uh, welcome, uh, Rowan. Thank you. Thanks. So you, you will hear a contrast uh, between my English and Rowan's English because you're from Canada. Indeed, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was born there. I grew up there, and uh, came over here 17 years ago. So, um, why did you come here? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, honestly, uh, because of a job offer. Yeah, and we came over for that for that company, and I worked there for a number of years until uh, I think they had to face reality and get rid of most of us. <laughs> <laughs> I came over uh, to do uh, development and um, it's, uh, I've stayed doing programming. I now work on my own company uh, and doing a lot of freelance work at the moment. And uh, ended up, um, I've been doing more with uh, working with teams and kind of keeping mm-hmm. teams working. Uh, But, uh, again, also with uh, programming teams or doing DevOps as well. So
1: keeping people's software actually running. And when did you start uh, learning a program language or when did you start programming?
0: Uh, I was pretty late, actually. I had uh, had an interesting uh, road to programming. So I I, I actually have a philosophy degree. My, My university degree is in philosophy. Really? Yeah, (laughs) that explains a lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: So you end up with this, uh, yeah, you have a degree which says, yes, I know how to think, but I don't actually have necessarily any other particular skills. So I ended up, uh, I was doing, at the time I was waiting tables, uh, working in banquets and stuff as well. And then from there I went into uh, doing uh, renovation work actually in carpentry. Uh, I ended up uh, coming back from a particularly nasty day of putting up, uh, basically doing plastering work, and uh, I was in a rotten mood, and my, my girlfriend, now wife, uh, said, all right, do you want to be doing this in 10 years? And I was fairly adamant that no, that was not where I wanted to be in 10 years. Uh, so we started looking at what might be interesting, and one of the things that came up, was uh, was programming. Uh, so I took a course and I, that would have been in 97 I think, okay and I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was like a fish to water really. Okay. Uh, and I still enjoy it. Uh, and I got a job with the government and it's that job that put me onto this tool huh? which put me on to applying for
1: the job here. Okay, and and what what was it that uh, resonated with you or that that struck you in the programming, having a totally different background and then run into programming that it feels like home? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Well, I mean, one of the things with philosophy is you sit around and, you know, think about thinking. It's kind of meta. And with programming... Uh, one of the things that kind of drove me crazy about philosophy was that you did just sit around and think about stuff uh, rather than building things, uh, and I think that that was something that when I hit programming, it was like thinking, but you could actually make stuff with your thinking.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> I think is
0: about the only way I can <laughs> describe it, sure.
1: um,
0: and that uh, and it could have real effects also. Which uh, so yes, you could you know make pretty pictures on the screen but you could also connect to things in the world uh (coughs) that were that people were using and that was very intriguing for me especially as as I'd been doing carpentry work where you build and fix Mm
1: -hmm.
0: a lot of renovation work this was sort of the best of both worlds uh and um and and
1: if you um think of it like that so uh, the combination between Uh, the thinking part and the making part, is that something that was also present when you were a kid, when you were younger?
0: Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I was in an environment. My dad was, uh, he really liked woodworking uh, because he had um, an amazing workshop down in the basement. Uh, So I grew up, and my dad, he built, like, so, for instance, when I was quite young, I think eight or so, my dad found himself uh, with a free summer, and he ended up building, my brother and I, uh, you know, Optimus dinghies? Those uh, mm-hmm. those sailboats, yeah. So he actually built Optimus dinghies for us. Okay. Uh, out of wood, which, if you look at an Optimus dinghy, is actually pretty tricky. You, ha- that- you have to bend the the plywood and... Anyway, it was quite a project. Did it sink? Or, uh, no, you, uh, it was sail brilliant. With it? I used it. I used it for years. Okay. In fact, I actually used that boat and became fourth in an international sailing competition, <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty funny.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but that was that was an awesome boat. I loved that thing. He called it Blue Marlin, and my brother he made the one that was red, and he called it Red Snapper. <laughs> cool. Uh, So there was always stuff being built uh, around me. Um, I think it just sort of sat in the back of my mind. Because at the time, I don't think I really built that much. uh, But I was around someone Mm -hmm. who was building things.
1: That's the making part, but the thinking part. uh, What did you make taking philosophy class? I've
0: always, always thought about those uh, philosophies. Especially, I studied when I was in high school. Actually, before high school. I started reading a lot on Eastern philosophies as well, and the ideas of the limits of um, uh, logic, uh, and also like all sorts of stuff, like very sort of meta stuff. I remember when I was 14, my dad gave me a book. Uh, it's like a, it's an absolute classic if you're ever studying Zen Buddhism. Uh, and it was DT Suzuki's books and Buddhism and I'd been reading a lot of stuff um, but that book it took me eight months to get through it and it's not a big book and I, I got to the end of it and I was like I don't get this at all like did not understand it at all and that was that was like the first time but but you you it you um the book captured your attention. Oh, totally. I mean, Christ, it took me eight months to get yeah. through it.
1: You, you and on top away, of that,
0: right? it was just a challenge. I mean, that was like the gauntlet down. Because um, I'd never run into something that I was just like, okay, I do not get this. Uh, and this was the first time. And so I said, right, I, you know, it just sparked a, a passion to, like, figure out what was being referred to by this idea of Zen, and what was it referring to? Uh, the idea of Satori, of enlightenment, of all these things. Uh, it really captured my imagination. But I also, I mean, I studied, I, I mean studied, I, I read passionately, uh, like Dostoevsky, who had all sorts of, a lot to do with the existentialist chart. Um This is all before I finished high school. Okay, I was like a weird, like seriously weird geeky kid. And as a result, when I finished school, what I really wanted to do was actually travel mm-hmm. uh, around Asia and see these countries. And did you do that? Yeah, I did actually.
1: Okay, and and in that year that you traveled Asia, yeah, uh, you had some uh, very special moments. But but did you also uh, got answers, or did you? Yeah,
0: that's a good question. Very good question. Uh, I think. Uh, I did. I also did a lot of reading when I was in Nepal with the family. For me, it was actually a bit of a dis, it was a bit disillusioning to come to Asia and see so much sort of ritual and superstition and mm-hmm. all these things that weren't in any of the books I'd been reading. So that's uh, that's how I ended up in philosophy. And actually, that was also interesting because having gone and traveled and seen a lot and read a lot. Um and a lot of the reading had to do with the limits of of, of logic as a path mm-hmm. to
1: knowledge and and is that then also the um, quest you have in your programming jobs for being inspired to uh, solve programming problems Problems or make yeah so yeah codes. so there's,
0: there is an element there is an element with that where um, I like to look at you know puzzles like what, things that are confusing or difficult and I mean there's lots of things where you have a concept and it's kind of, you're kind of having a hard time getting your brain around it how does it work and so you go. And um, a lot of times I'll just sit down and try and make a program that implements the idea. Things I run into is um, you have people who are architects, software architects. Uh, and I find it interesting that as software architect, some of them are very, very good. But there are a number I've run into who have an idea and then they write a document about it. Uh, Like, this is how we will solve this problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is nothing more intellectually honest than trying to write a program to describe what it's supposed to do Uh. because it'll very quickly show you if it doesn't work. I'm really good at bullshitting, huh? like really good. I can I can make all sorts of marketing-type stuff and all sorts of intellect. Because, I mean, with philosophy, one of the things you do learn, uh, especially in universities, you have to make essays. And so you, you make these essays of where, you know, you might just take a stance on something and go, okay, I'm now going to convince you. But what sort of intro, but... Sorry to interrupt, yeah.
1: but that's interesting because then it <laughs> almost seems like uh, you, your programming profession yeah. keeps your feet on the ground or something. Yeah, absolutely. It validates yeah, your thinking. No question.
0: There are different ways to approach uh, handling the complexity of programming. So one of my things is I like to make things as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> could be like that Zen influence which took Buddhism and made it as simple as possible. Um, because in doing that, um, you have to understand, it's very hard to make things simple. Uh, I mean, I think of Ernest Hemingway. If you read his stuff, his, 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 his books, one of my favorites is the old man of the sea. It's. It's an incredibly simple style of writing. Wait, was that old man's... Anyway. Incredibly simple style of writing, but it's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's sitting behind that is an insane amount of skill. Mm-hmm. And years and years and years of practice. And yet, when you read it, you know, you. it's not... It's not that... It's not that obvious, I guess. I mean, he's not using big words. He's not <laughs> showing off some sort of, you know, fabulous uh, linguistic style or something. And yet, <clears throat> he's managed to, to um, take an enormous amount of skill, enormous amount of experience, and distill it into this incredible style. It's mm-hmm. amazing to to read and this is the same thing for i find for for programming because uh, in the end it's basically a bunch of words that we all have to understand yeah. uh, <clears throat> that you you have different ways of taking complexity and turn and trying to make it into something that is simpler what happens is As you kind of go along that path more, of course, you end up doing a lot of design. How can you design a good program? How can you design a simple program? How can we turn this problem into something as simple as possible? Uh, And that is something that takes a lot of, like learning and experience and lots of writing crappy programs very important Mm -hmm. it's like any skill uh you know you 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 essentially you just have to do a lot of it in order to come to the realization that you know in order to for it to be honed and your understanding to deepen and, you know, make bad cra- make crappy program and then go, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, no, that was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And, and lots of dead-end paths. <coughs> yeah.
1: and, and, and what drives you in, in that struggle?
0: There's a huge pleasure in finding, in, in creating something that fits together really well. I mean, from, as a programmer, it's something where you can look at it and go, wow, that is beautiful i don't know if you've ever uh seen some of the there's some great videos on youtube uh with about japanese joinery japanese sort of mm-hmm. joints yeah uh and also some of the the older joints that are, uh and the way people put stuff together and it's amazing like you look at that and you just go you just just say wow you watch how this thing is carefully put together and then it just fits and you know maybe the joint is gone or maybe you can see the joint but it's done in such a way that the the woods meld and you're left with this this joint that you can see and you want to see because it's so beautifully done that is what I strive for when I put together a program how can we make it simple? But also, is it a pleasure to read it? Is it a pleasure to actually have to work with it? The only problem with it is it's also dangerous. huh? Mm-hmm. So this idea, like so you have this target that you're aiming for, and it's this idea of sort of perfection. Mm-hmm. But that's an insanely dangerous thing. And it's something yep. that's taken me a long time to figure out. It is incredibly dangerous to shoot for perfection without realizing that you're going to suck on the way. Okay. Right? That is like absolutely critical cuz otherwise you're going to be so busy trying to make the perfect all the time that you what you need to do is throw that away and just say, "Okay, I'm making this thing and let's get it done." And then I'll 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 hone it. And I I need to make lots of it. And as you make, as like, all those dead ends. Those dead ends are important. Those, like, you know, code that you're, like, totally embarrassed to show anyone. Uh, code that, you know, either just never worked or was hideously inefficient or, you know, all these things. You need to, I think you have to make those things. You have to see those things. And then you have to scrutinize them. Um. So that you're aware of like, oh, this could have been better. I I think it's a really good sign. I think with anything, whatever you do, uh, you know, if you're looking back on stuff you did six months ago or a year ago and you cringe, Mm -hmm. if you cringe, you're just like, ah, I'm actually better than I was a year or six months ago. I think it's really important. But it's a horrible feeling. It's completely embarrassing. You just look at your stuff and you're like, oh, God, what was I thinking? (laughs) Um, And, you know, I think this is in anything. And anything that you're going to invest time and effort into. You hope that you basically hate whatever you did in the recent past. (laughs) Uh, Because then it generally means you're going in the right direction. Allow yourself to suck. (laughs) <laughs> like, seriously, it's it's a huge thing. Fear is a huge thing when you're creating stuff. Uh, it's 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 an enormous, I mean, for myself, I can't speak for everyone else, but for myself, the fear of producing something less, you know, not good uh, has been a huge obstacle. And I think it's an obstacle for a lot of people. I, the thing is, I, I hear that, I've heard that and you read it in books and like, mm. yeah, embrace your fear. It's like, mm. no, like it's fear. Yep. Like it's very, yes, on some level, but you know, I find that often that advice is given by people who have spent years embracing their fear mm-hmm. and like any other skill, it's something that you have to build up. What makes more sense, I think, is to have, is to develop ways to reduce the fear, uh, And that's the thing is you want to break it down. So that's one way of handling fear. And it's really, you can apply it to all sorts of things. It's really, it's really good. Also things like if you're feeling fear, you want to also look like, where is my skill set? Because sometimes you, there, the fear is there for a reason. Like you're just way over your head. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I think, and it's, you know, it's one of these catch 22s. It's something that happens once you've had enough experience and you've gained enough confidence to sort of say, to allow yourself the space to do what you need to do in order to get a job done. Mm -hmm. And that is something that comes with experience. And it sucks because actually you need that knowledge in your younger self. To learn. Exactly, right? You need to be able to say, you actually, at that point, you need to actually say, well, actually, I need even more time. Because this is a hard problem, and I need to learn even more than I do huh. now, and so you have to. And that is really that's that's really hard. In a lot of ways, you need to prove yourself uh, and allow <clears throat> allow your interest to blossom. And I think in a lot of ways, I've held myself back um, as far as things I've wanted to do. Like for instance, right now I'm doing a lot of freelancing. I have my own business, so starting my own business uh and starting to freelance i mean i was held back by a huge amount of fear yeah. like huge amount i had to overcome like all sorts of fear and even when i got over that and i started it it still scared the crap out of me um i'm super glad i did it and actually in a lot of ways looking back i probably wasn't ready until i actually did it mm-hmm. you have this this pro this 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 sort of sort of unsolvable problem where you're always never quite going to be ready i've spent years trying to figure out how do you design good programs how do i get better how can i make nicer things
1: so in uh, you talked about um, uh, a couple of nice quotes Is is there a quote you want to leave the audience with so to end this conversation is there one quote that God, jumps I, hadn't, to mind. I hadn't
0: thought of anything I, beforehand. Take, damn it. I need to research.
1: Can <laughs> take time. I will cut this out. <laughs>
0: <sighs> I, can th- I mean, of course, I'm thinking of like there's a gazillion quotes all kind of, yeah. kind of coming in, but like silly ones mostly. A fun. Silly one. fun uh, <laughs> there is this so there is this movie that I remember watching a long time ago, and it had like the silliest stuff. It was it was really funny. It was called Buckaroo Banzai in the Eighth Dimension. Uh, it's, like, sort of a cult classic. And it had... Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was full of these, like, sort of, like, moments of wisdom. And one of them was, uh, no matter where you go, there you are, which hilariously has been quoted in all sorts mm-hmm. of sp- spiritual sort of pop classics. <laughs> and uh, the other one, the one I thought was pretty funny about it was... Um, uh, was remember, evil spelt backwards is live. And you're like, what does that mean? I have no idea. But, you know, it's kind of fun. <laughs> and the Princess Bride is also another. That's also got, what, what did it have? Um, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Life is pain, Princess, and anyone who tells you otherwise is selling something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Well, thanks, Rowan. Oh, wow, my pleasure. Really. That was fun. Uh, inspiring and, and interesting stuff and I, I never knew that the philosophy and programming were so much the like yeah
0: well <laughs> yes yeah, similar skills you kind of have to sit around and think about stuff a lot yeah cool uh, and that's actually the interest. one of the interesting things with programming is the the smallest part is actually typing stuff uh, so you always see people in front of their screens doing this uh, but, uh, actually for a lot of solving hard problems, you spend a lot. And part of that's because companies expect you to sit in front of a screen and type stuff. But actually for dealing with hard problems, most of your time is going to be spent like with paper and pencil, right. trying to figure out like, how do we, how do we do that and making sketches right. and yeah. Well, oh, cool. It's been fun. Thanks, Mark. It's been great. And thanks for the cider. That was lovely. <laughs>
1: Listen to the conversation I had with Rowan Nichols. My name is Mark Geljon, and I'm the host of the Forest Walk podcast. We discuss the similarities between philosophy and programming, how your personal quest can result into some very interesting insights, and that you find your balance in thinking and making how you have to allow yourself to suck sometimes and to get out of your comfort zone and overcoming your fear because overcoming your fear allows yourself to take the steps that are needed to grow. So I think some very interesting insights uh, in the essence of craftsmanship and we add this to the insights we had from the previous podcast with Sylvester Kuiper, the baker. In the next episode, I will have a conversation with my former colleague and good friend, Michel Klaasens. Michel is an executive within a large corporation and is very passionate about building effective teams across the globe. His vision about how digital can contribute to large companies in becoming better and being ready to face the challenges they have in the global market space are very interesting but also his his passion for other things in life such as surfing or martial arts. So I'm looking forward to that. Please subscribe to my podcast series uh, so you will be notified when it's ready. Thanks for listening and I hope to see your comments and likes uh, on this episode. Bye.